Hello, Four Sober Chicks podcast listeners. We are Heather, Meredith, Dana, and Tracy, four women recovering out loud. We gather here from around the world to discuss all things related to alcohol addiction, sobriety, and various paths to recovery. We get real about the highs, the lows, and the amazing reality of living a sober life. This podcast is a creative collaboration by women, for women, and for anyone who supports women. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Heather, and joining me today is Meredith, Dana, and a very, very exciting new development, our newest sober chick, Tracy. Um, So as we talked in the last episode, um, Lisa needed to step away from recording and being a part of the day-to-day podcast. She's still with us in our hearts and will always uh, be be part of the original Sober Chicks. But we have had an opportunity to um, add a new layer to our recovery podcast, and that layer is Tracy. So welcome. I'm really excited. Thank you. Yes, me too. I feel very honored to Thank you so much for asking me the fourth sober chick, one of the four. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, you know, it's going to add a really new and uh, dynamic to us and kind of an area and round us out a little bit more. So I'm excited about that. So today is your story um, and an opportunity for you to kind of introduce yourself to our listeners. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, uh, my name is Tracy. I am an alcoholic. Um, and I am just really happy to be here today to share with you my story, uh, my experience, strength, and hope, uh, so that maybe, you know, someone can hear it and relate, um, and, you know, and, and yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so my name is Tracy. I have, uh, I was a hardcore 74. Uh, my mother and father, Connie and Will, uh, were married until I was about two years old, and then they divorced. Um, I have two older sisters, Jamie and Kelly, and they are my lightning and thunder. Um, and uh, so we were pretty much raised by a single mom. And um, you know, it was uh, it was we'd go to Florida to visit my father for summers, and um, you know, I think they did the best job that they could, uh, and we had a good support system in my mother's family as well. Um, and just, you know, was always taught unconditional love and which, you know, unconditional love is a beautiful concept. It's sometimes, but it can sometimes be a lot, right? Because there's certain conditions that we all, you know, find in life. Um, so yeah, so, you know, it was like all women in the household and, uh, I was the baby. So, you know, my mom was working, my sister's were six and four years older than me, so they did not want to hang out with me. And I was extremely independent and uh, was a latchkey kid. And, uh, you know, then got really social in school. And of course, with that, started partying. Um, I think my first drink was probably like when I was 12 or 13. Uh, a bunch of us girls went to the movies. We skipped the movies. We had like a six pack between the 12 of us. And we, you know, we giggled and thought it was this the best time ever. Um, probably had my first joint uh, when I was about 13 in the same kind of situation, probably the same girls. Uh, there was probably like 12 or 13 of us, one joint. And, you know, of course we all got stoned and, and it was the best night ever. Um, that continued through high school. Um, just really a party girl, you know, very social, um, was able to, you know, go to college, University of Florida and um, where, you know, it was known as the party school. 
and that's where probably my first um when my first my first my first blackout started um also some promiscuous behavior when i was under the influence that really didn't make me feel too good about myself but you know i kept um i was i was going to school i was killing it at school i was working and you know and i partied so to me i had a very well balanced life and normal and fun and so you know it was okay i didn't have a problem with drinking um and from there you know i um i met my husband my future husband uh we had a daughter and uh ireland and uh he was irish so we you know that's where we met we met at the irish pub and you know our life was just uh drinking parties have fun uh even you know when we have a little baby and it was okay i mean we were responsible good parents and we were loving and kind um but we just did not we 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 would not uh put we didn't sacrifice that we were like we're going to have a great life drinking and partying and having fun uh nothing's going to stop us kind of thing and nothing really did um and we threw great parties and we had a great social life you know moving onward to when Livia was you know um younger and 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 probably preteen and then in 2010 that's when my drinking changed and it changed from uh being this social fun um thing on the weekends um you know maybe just a glass of wine or two after work um but really been drinking more on the weekends to um to numbing uh, my father passed away in 2010 i lost my business um my husband broke my heart and and so my answer to all of that was to dive very deep into uh alcohol and red wine and i remember uh evenings just you know pretty much crying myself into this bottle and and you know just getting drunk and crying and being so sad and and upset and and just uh but that was how i coped with it and that's how i dealt with it and then you know fast forward you know years a couple years six years of this behavior um you know i had then formed a really good habit and a crutch and um a reliance on on this on on alcohol and a stimulant to make me feel or not feel really is what i've learned now um and not deal with any of that stuff and so it was one day i was at work and i was so hungover um by this time you know our daughter had um left school i left for school she attended internationally so she like literally left like not just town but you know um the country um i was you know all my titles were the same but the roles were different and it was just it was intense and it was a lot and i knew my marriage was struggling as well um and you know at this i was in the bathroom stall one morning at work and i just you know i could i was so hungover so like depressed I was looking at myself and i was just like this what are you doing you know i knew my capabilities of of being a professional of being a creative of being a great mom of being a good wife being a good sister but none of that was i didn't see any of that anymore um i just saw me sick and and not feeling good and going to work and then you know getting off work after telling myself all day i'm not going to drink but here comes 5:30 p.m. and you know i'm like okay well i can drink you know and i'll just drink one or two and just take the hair off and but then that led to a bottle and then two and you know just same cycle just same cycle and i was just tired so that day i decided to call a friend who was an alcoholic and um asked for help he showed me to uh you know he took me to a meeting in the rooms of aa um i sat there i 
did not want to introduce myself. I was like, I am not like these people. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just, you know, I abuse alcohol. I'm not an alcoholic. I abuse alcohol. This is all situational. I can handle this. And so that's what I did. I, I left there and like, you know, I was actually sober for two years. Um, I decided I, you know, I still was not an alcoholic, but, you know, I needed to get sober so that I can, you know, if I was going to lose my marriage, it had to be totally um, present, clear. I had to, you know, if I was going to make changes to my life and our family's life, and um, I, you know, I needed to be totally clear and present to do that. And I, I just wanted to, um, I just knew it wasn't, it was not treating me well. And I, and I just wasn't at my full capacity. So I gave it up and I, I, um, I did that successfully for two years and I, I, uh, re, we call it rearranged our, our family, um, restructured. That's what we called it. Um, did that beautifully, lovingly, um, you know, and, uh, made some really big life changes and, uh, felt really good about those because I was there to do that. And I didn't have alcohol, uh, about eight months into my, um, independence, um, I decided that I could drink again. You know, I was like in the best shape of my life. I tell people emotionally, physically, one thing I never said, which I know has helped me in my recovery now is spiritually. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was, I was like, I can, I can drink and, you know, and so it started with, I, I was like, well, if I'm going to drink, I'm going to drink bourbon. I'm not going to drink wine because I like wine and I'm going to drink something that I really don't like. Um, and it'll give me like a little buzz and I'll just stop. And isn't that funny? Now I think about that, like here, I'm just starting to think about drinking again. I'm already starting to figure out, oh, well, how am I going to drink? You know, the fear and everything was there. I just didn't, <laughs> it's just funny looking back. So went, um, so that's what I did. And, you know, fast forward eight, uh, probably eight months into drinking. Uh, the last, the last night that I drank, um, well, the last week I drank, I blacked out four times. I was in uh, several very promiscuous, risky uh, situations uh, that I that I do not I know I would not have been in if I was not drunk. Um, and I um, and basically my last hanger, I wanted to kill myself. It's uh, you know alcohol took everything bright, light, beautiful, loving from my world, confident, um, everything to to just make me this crying, uh, sad, depressed, wanted to kill myself woman in my apartment by myself, lying to people. Um, and I think what woke me up was the fact that I didn't even want to be there for my daughter anymore. And I'm just like, what is going on? So, you know, luckily I have, I called a friend who was an alcoholic. Um, and this time he took me into the rooms of AA. It took me three days uh, there uh, to then finally admit that I was an alcoholic. And that was on June 12th, 2020. And that day completely changed my life. And that was the day because that's the day when I admitted that I was powerless to alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable. And to say those words was so hard. I mean, it was so hard, but once I did, you know, I, I believe knowledge is power. Um, I believe that, you know, now, okay, I know what, what's wrong with me? And so how do I treat it? How do I get better? Um, and, and so I did that. I, I, I was in a program that worked for me and I was around people that it made sense I could relate to. And 
I didn't have to do this alone. And I never, you know, I, and I could be completely honest and open about everything and they wouldn't judge me. They would love me unconditionally, right? So that's where I found um, my tribe and uh, they, together with a lot of hard work, um, I found a sponsor. Um, that sponsor's job is to, you know, put my hand in the hand of my higher power. And that's what she did. And when that happened, because I was so reluctant to that, I mean, you know, to me, it was all religious. Uh, it was all men power, things like that. And I just, you know, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, and so fortunately, though, it did. And I was open and willing uh, to that idea, because at that point, I just needed, I needed help. I couldn't do this on my own anymore. I didn't want to do it on my own anymore. I was tired. I was sick and I needed help. And, and, um, and so I did. And that day was beautiful because from that point on and, and forward, I just, I never had to do anything alone again. And, and that's part of my recovery is finding out what my biggest fears are. And, you know, and, and, and my number one fear is to be alone. Um, so that's something that I love about our recovery world and what, you know, force over chicks and what we're all doing here is that we're doing supporting each other. It's, we don't have to do this ever alone again, never. Um, so yeah, so that was a, that was a big crucial time in my life. And, you know, fast forward two years sober and my life is just, it's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's light, right? Um, the biggest piece that I found in my sobriety again was my creativity and that is just uh, monumental in my well-being and my happiness and um and just whatever I do and I found that in um, a platform that I started on Instagram and it was it's called sexy is sober and that was uh something I started about two weeks into my recovery or into being sober and I was um you know, I, I, I love to take photos. I love typography and graphics and colors. And, um, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to post a post a day. And it also, you know, what it turned out to be was really, a, it was huge for my recovery because it held me responsible. You know, it was almost like not taking a drink one day at a time where you got to post one, one post at a time. Um, and then I, you know, from there, I decided that this platform was just going to celebrate I wanted to celebrate the, the uh, joy, love, and sexiness that comes with sobriety. You know, I wanted to um, I wanted to just share a little bit of my experience, strength, and hope as being, you know, a fun, loving, um, sexy, uh, strong, powerful woman um, in recovery who is an alcoholic and who doesn't, you know, need those things to be all of all of the things that she is. Um, and so to break the stigma of sobriety is very important to me. Um, and it's, uh, and it's something I'm very proud of. And then, and it, and it just, uh, a lot of the work that went into it, I could see from the messages that I was receiving and from the following that I gained, people understood it, they got it and they liked it. And they were, you know, they were appreciative. Of this, yeah. That, that somebody was celebrating it you know, because I do, I celebrate sobriety. I love it. I celebrate every day in my life. Um, and, in all the situations that I am, I'm still very social. Um, I go, I just had coffee with someone the other day who, uh, is new to the area. And, you know, she was saying, uh, I don't drink. I'm like, Oh, I don't drink either. And she's like, oh, yeah, but it's only for health reasons. Right. And I'm like, no, I go, to be honest, it's because I'm an alcoholic. 
And she's like, oh, and I'm like, no, I'm not ashamed of it. You know, uh, it's, I know who I am and what I am and, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm killing it. I'm doing, I'm good. And um, one day at a time. And so I think just because I can be bold and I can be honest, which is a huge part of my recovery is just to be honest. Um, that's, that's where it's taken me today. And I love to travel. So since then I've, you know, I've, you know, I just think when I became sober today, life is just better. It's just better overall. I'm a better woman. I'm a better mother, I'm a better friend, sister, lover, traveler. Um, I'm just better. And so for that, I, um, I love, I love sobriety. Thank you. That's my story. Thank you very much. Um, well, you know, it always is fascinating to me that no matter whose story I hear, there's always these very common themes, you know, like this fear of living without it. And what is that going to look like? But the reality is it's so much worse with it, but we tell ourselves this lie and we, we, and that's, I call it the disease, you know, the disease of alcoholism is just telling your addiction you know, that you're not going to be fun and your life is not going to be full and you're not going to be able to deal with anxiety and difficult times without it. And the reality is, is that alcohol and substances make that all so much worse, you know? Yes. And, yes. and I love how you said like your light had gone away and like, that's a, a, a really great, beautiful analogy of like, what that truly is, is when I got sober, my light turned back on, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I was able to like, see clearly I was in the dark before just surviving and now I could see clearly what was important to me and what was in my life and where I needed to be and all of those things and then you know the part about connection like people do do this by themselves I don't know how because I never would be where I am if I didn't have the supports and 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 then one of the biggest is just people who are also in recovery like that common knowledge mm -hmm. and understanding and all of that is for me it's it's crucial it's absolutely crucial and I couldn't have done it without that so I definitely resonated with and then you know um, turning on you before you when you don't expect it right like oh I used to be I'll, fun too I'll piggyback on the because I wrote down the um when you said that it took like your bright light away but let's be honest, that's how alcohol is pushed, is that is what alcohol will give you, is this fabulous life and the light and the brightness and the fun and the whole nine to where you don't have to have a problem with alcohol to be lied to about that, you know, and to actually fall into that trap. Because I know so many people who myself was included. And obviously just like you, Tracy, um, I thought the more I drank, the funner I would be mm -hmm. and the more joy I would have and the more friends I would have and the cooler things I would do. But in all reality, it's the complete opposite because that one substance becomes your end all be all. And that was where my days started. It's where my days ended. It's where you know, the bad times got worse and the good times mm -hmm. never got better. Um, so I feel like, yes, us obviously having the main goal of breaking that stigma is huge, but we also have to hopefully bring the reality of 
all the things. And that's my biggest phrase is sobriety gives me all the things that alcohol promised. And to this day, like that is, I I mean, I can always go back to that being like, Hey, yeah, I go through really crappy situations still, but I'm clear headed. I Mm -hmm. know I can make the right decisions. I can be calm. I can do all those things that are insanely important, especially in really rough times. Um, But just how alcohol is advertised and pushed and the mommy culture, like, I don't know. It's actually scary to me. Um, Yeah. Because now when I see it, I'm like, good, good Lord. There are young kids that are like that that's what I can't wait till I can do. And, you know, I think we were the same way too. And it's almost like, when does it, when did it change from, you know, I, I, I have a child and you watch them uh, play with their imaginations. They have no substances. We don't even say you can have substances until you're 21. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so we expect them to entertain themselves, to go and be social to, you know, all. and, And it's like, when does it change? And that's, so I would draw myself back in early sobriety to, to that place where my, you know, where my daughter was and I'd watch her play and have that imagination and be creative. And I'm like, you know, we weren't born to drink and to, mm-hmm. to stuff ourselves with this stuff to, to have fun or to, to function or, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a, and then, yeah. And, and you know, for me, I took this, my really, big thing now and, and just growing in this platform is just about us being women and on on dates and 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 feeling uh sexy and liberated sexually and you know and able to have conversations and meet people and be social you know if anything i think alcohol just it it doesn't make us look prettier especially as we get older and no. even younger i mean god you know like I, I, no we're not you know and then our inhibitions are down and our awareness and our judgment and um, you can't, it, it's, it's scary almost, you know, and, and we've I, all heard the horror stories and I'm sure all four, I hope not, but maybe all four of us have some really scary stories when we were, you know, incoherent, we were taken advantage of, you know, and it's not fun. It's not cool. I, I just think of that meme where it's like, what I think I look like when I'm drunk and what I actually look like when I'm drunk and she has like a toilet seat around her neck or something like that. But like it. And I feel like for me, educating my kids, because we talk about that all the time. They're like, well, so-and-so's mom drinks. And I'm like, that's, that's okay. Like I don't drink because of my issues, you know? And so I have to have that conversation, but even my kids now, they, they're aware, very aware of my sobriety. And so when they see things, they're like, why are they? They're, they're like that. I feel like that's almost targeted towards me. I'm like, oh, it is, you know? And so educating my kids and bringing mm-hmm. them up to, and I'm like, are you going to drink? Probably. But I hope that my story is enough for you to be like, you know what? My mom had a problem with this. Maybe I don't need to get blackout drunk or, you know, whatever the case may be, but it's the messaging that our youth is getting right now that is killing me. It's all about sex and it's all about alcohol. And I, at thir- my kids are 13 
you know, I want to be the one to explain a lot of this um, to them the right way. And, you know, I just, I don't know, it floors me with the messaging. Yeah. And, and that's probably different where you guys are. Um, well, I don't think I was just, whew. yeah, well, well, yeah, Heather and I live in Abu Dhabi, but I was just out uh, Friday night and, you know, I was speaking with some girlfriends and one of them was like, you know, I think one night stands are empowering. And I'm like, okay, but sober. And they all kind of looked at me and I'm like, when's the last one night stand? It's sober. And, and, you know, and it's like, those are the hot nights because you're totally there. You're totally present and you're totally making these decisions on your own. Right. And so she, you should, and so I'm, I'm writing a post about that. Um, and yeah, I don't think there's anything more empowering than making your own decisions fully there, you know, and, and, and feeling everything. So, and, and with that, so it still happens. Yeah. Going back to what you were saying about the, the bad decisions, right. When, when you're drinking, when you are an everyday drinker and it is a huge part of your life, it is your life. Even when you're not drinking, you're not making the best decisions because you're foggy. You, you've got the brain fog going on. You, you've got the memory loss going on. And so even the best decisions may not be the right decisions until you get completely sober and in recovery to understand the clarity of everything. Cause I, that's what I have found in mine, you know, in the past couple of years of my sobriety is, oh my gosh, I'm actually making good decisions for myself now. <laughs> Cause yeah. even when I was drinking and, and hard into it, even the decisions when I was sober or not drinking were, were not the right decisions for me. And it was, and that's something I was going to say, Dana, that I, so there's two years that I was sober you know, I made some really good decisions and tough decisions, but I made some really bad ones too. And I, um, and I was completely sober in a way I was doing. And I think like I, yeah, I think that played a part too in why I started drinking again, because it was, I wasn't being honest, you know, and honesty is key in recovery. And um, so you can, yeah, even in sobriety, like you, you know, you can make really crappy decisions and, you know, I still do today, but at least they're honest ones. Right. Right. Or at least I do my best of being honest at them. Right. Um, and that, and being, that two year that two year stretch for you sounded more like you were sober, almost like a dry drunk, than versus being kind of in recovery. I was a dry drunk for sure. Yeah. So yes. that's where that that decision making came from too. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's funny. I heard that term dry drunk, and I was like, "What is that?" And I'm like, "Oh, that was you." And that's where the spirit, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. One of the things I've noticed recently kind of is the, in this, you know, you're talking about the decision-making is that we dull down our senses so much. And for me, a lot of that was my intuition and my inner kind of voice, my inner wisdom, because I didn't want to hear that what it was telling me. Right. Um, and so I just kind of became detached, but that's a really strong tool that we have in our lives. And you know, I was once again challenged recently to follow my intuition, even though my head was saying, uh, but you could do this anyway, you know, or whatever, but I really stuck with it. And it was the best decision that I could have made. And I made it kind of in the most clear way that I could and seeing things forward, which I never used to do. Like I was always just make a decision and react or 
deal with the consequences and all of that. And I think that like kind of having that, like you're saying, Dana, that clarity and that and that focus of um presence of mind, you know, and that does come from the spiritual, you know, practicing spiritual recovery, you know, that my recovery comes first. I take care of myself and then from that everything comes. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't live in that space, then I'm gonna make decisions for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Um I, I laughed because when you said that you had gone to AA, you were convinced you weren't an alcoholic. I do have a question though. How long did you go that first stint to AA? Oh, like that night. Okay. But then that's yeah. when you quit for two years. <laughs> yeah. I left there and I was like, that's not for me. I'm not an alcoholic. Cause I wanted to drink again. I mean, me thinking that I would never drink again was like, what? you know like no no, I want to drink I like drinking right um and so I was just for me it was just a situational thing and you know and I abused alcohol because of all the circumstances that was going on my dad died Mm -hmm. and all this stuff you know that's why I drank so much and that's why I got out of control so you know I'm going to take a break and I'm going to make some big changes and you know it was funny um because the first like month or two people would you know, say I'm proud of you and I would just so mad I'm like Ugh. you know I'm so mad like why are you I was why are you proud of me like I let my life get to this I let my drinking get to this where I can't even drink anymore you know but but then fast forward like a year into it I'm starting to feel very empowered and you know and I felt that more and more in social situations because I can have actual conversations and hold them and 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 stand tall and proud and you know and and, and just you know let that light shine oh and um and it was uh it was empowering so when I so for me I think when the second time I became sober I had already gone through that phase where you know it would you know it was challenging for the first year of sobriety absolutely um just to be able to to do things again like it took I couldn't cook dinner for a while because I always had a glass of wine in my hand when I cooked dinner you know so I couldn't cook dinner for a little bit I mean, it was just, it's wild, right? It's crazy. You're just like, how am I going to do this? And so what I did was I tried to fill it with, I filled it with things that made me happy until I found my God or my higher power. And then that was put in there. So, you know, just do things that make you happy, you know, do, and that's what happens when you don't drink, right? You have, okay, what am I going to do? And if you dare tell your sponsor, you're bored, oh my gosh, you know, you're in trouble. And plus only the boring get bored. So, (laughs) but, but um, that totally proves. So in past episodes, we've gone over, um, kind of like our specialty areas. Um, and mine is your neurochemistry. So when you begin to be an avid drinker, all of your frontal lobe activity starts to diminish to where logic reasoning, like the, like hardcore decisions where you can be like, yes, I'm looking this through a logical lens. Like that's completely gone. Um, when you start abusing, but how you reactivate the frontal lobe is doing things that make you happy. So it's things mm-hmm. that bring you joy will start to push activity to that frontal lobe. Um, so, I mean, what you just said just absolutely proves that point to the point where I, I get people ask them, they're like, okay, so I quit drinking and I'm freaking out. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, what makes you happy? outside of alcohol. 
you know, and they're like, oh, well, I'd love to do this. I'm like, go do whatever makes your heart jump for joy. And they're like, oh, okay. I was like, because that's when you can start having those really, for me, they were intense conversations with myself of being like, oh my God, two months ago, do you remember how your day was looking? And now two months later, after you haven't drank, I mean, it was night and day, Mm -hmm. but then I was able to functionally go out and do things that I enjoyed or be around people that I enjoyed. Um, So that's a huge component to breaking that um, neurological um, deficit, if you will. Mm -hmm. I like that. Absolutely. And that's what I, you know, um, I, there's someone in my life that is struggling um, very close. I love her very much. And I just, you know, I, I can only, I can keep praying. I can have hope. And when she's ready, I'll be there. Um, and I just see, you know, but that was when we talk about it, you know, and she's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to do things that make you happy. You're going to start doing things that make you happy. And that really mean a lot to you. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just doing it. It's action, right? It's action, taking action and, and just, and being at that point, being that point of complete desperation and thank God I hit it, you know, and thank God I didn't hurt myself or anybody else. Um, I was on my way for sure. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that I was able to kind of be shook before that happened. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. I think so much energy goes into active addiction. You know, you just don't have energy. You're like I said, I was just surviving. I didn't have energy to go out and do fun things and, you know, spontaneous things and and things Mm -hmm. that like, you know, fits and starts, but nothing consistent, you know, because I just had all of this like a computer at all these programs running in the background, just sucking away at my battery, you know, and, and until I shut all that down, I, I don't have the capacity to do it. So it is a really cool thing to be able to, to start engaging in things that bring you joy. For me, it was leaving the city we were in and, and hunkering down with our family and traveling and just reconnecting and being with my kids in a very present way. And my husband, you know, um, that was for me how I found my joy in early early recovery. I think that's huge too, Heather. Right, is being present. You mm-hmm. find yourself being present, like when you when you're getting through the muck and you're getting through the process. Being present is so huge, you know, and it makes such a difference. And I think that's where the real recovery comes from. Mm-hmm. And. I will admit to you, that was really hard for me. Um, I am a, if, if something's making me uncomfortable, how can I deviate and do something different to take my mind off of this? So like actually being present with myself and um, that's to this day, still really hard for me um, to the point where I have to, it's almost like my body senses when I'm in complete overwhelm because I have just stacked things on as a way to distract from something over here. And my body will completely shut down um, to where I can barely get out of bed. Um, But that's, that's the reality of my sobriety. You know what I mean? So 
am I learning from that? hundred percent. You know, I am trying Mm -hmm. to be present with myself more and be content with myself more. Um, but it kind of feeds into what you were talking about, Tracy, when I'm alone, I can go any which direction. And that is on any given day to where I'm like, I'm killing life. Awesome. Yes. And then there's days where I'm like, holy shit, put on the brakes. What the hell happened? I'm not killing life anymore. Like, so, but I, I am a people person to where when I'm around people, that's what I feed off of. Um, that's what gives me energy. So like the minute my kids come home, it's like, oh, okay. Like we're all great. But again, I feel like it's that distraction. Do you know what I mean? Of I do. I, I had that day today, Meredith. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I am. Yeah. I'm like focusing on every, everything, but you know, this, and I got overwhelmed, you know? Mm -hmm. So what did I do? I called another alcoholic because I was like, I have got to get centered here. I, you know, and I, and because a lot of it was me and my own ego, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what I had to be. I had to talk to someone else that could totally understand and relate and bring me back down to earth, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, but this fear of being alone thing, it's, it's, it was, it's interesting. And, and, and in some ways too, I think about my account sometimes and I'm like, you know, I have to check myself. I'm like, why are you really doing this account? And it's to help other people, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. Or is it for you, Tracy? You know, is it for you to be out there and, and you know, your pictures and your image? You know, and, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's for me to express myself absolutely and, and to do that completely sober and present. And, um, but the, my main intent with that is to help others and to have them, you know, I'll be bold for you. If you're not bold yet, just, you know, if you're even that personality or not, but you, if you are, it's keep you're capable of doing it in surprise. Well, and I feel recovery from anything requires massive balls. <laughs> Just to be I frank. agree. Um, and there's a lot of people who from the get-go will doubt the fact that they even have that type of drive. Um, and so like, for me, when I post things about like my sobriety, I'm like, I'm just hoping that this hits home with someone who can say, I see what she's gone through and what she's doing. I can do the same thing like that. Mm -hmm. I don't need the accolades. I don't want the spotlight at the end of the day. I think that that's all of our goals is to ultimately, if, if I can help one person decide not to drink anymore. I mean, time well spent. Well, that's part of our recovery, right? That's mm-hmm. part of our recovery. That's why, yeah, I mean, right here sitting on this, um, this is so beneficial and healing to me, but it's also knowing that someone else might hear this and be able to relate mm-hmm. and strike a chord and yep. that's it. And to give them hope, love, and absolutely. And I love all the different perspectives too. You know, one thing is how do you guys feel about alcohol being an allergy? Cause I know like, you know, that's one of the ways that we can explain our alcoholism, you know, it, it I am literally allergic. I'm a, I am legit allergic to it. I used to get <laughs> so stupid. like for real. Yeah. For like real. You'd like, get, I, like sick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Sick. So like, like I break out hives. I like, um, I'm allergic to like the preservatives or the like 
the grasses in hoppy beer. I used to get allergy shots and then go to happy hour. Oh, God. So you want to talk about, it, well, yes, I just drank through. And so my allergy shot would just blow up and just encompass my oh, whole my arm. God. And I did, it didn't stop me. It would, yeah, but yeah, I would have like really bad migraines. And then this wasn't because, I mean, yes, of course I had hangovers, but this was like, in addition to um, just reacting to what I was drinking, I had to, but don't worry about it. I just like worked it out. Like I was like, okay, I'm just going to do like all potato vodkas and, you know, or then I'm going to go and do this kind of, um, I'm going to do organic wines because they don't have as many phosphates or I'm going to, you know, like I just Mm -hmm. circumvent it. Rationalization is just know right that it that is, is like we can rationalize anything yes so i think it's a it's a good like if somebody needs is not in a place where they feel comfortable saying like i can't drink that saying like i'm allergic to it or whatever is is a beautiful kind of place for people to explain themselves but those of us who are actually allergic i didn't stop me I always thought I was because when I was, I didn't start drinking until I was 40. So I, I, and I would get righteously sick, like throwing up, passing out in the toilet sick every time I drank. And it was probably because I would try and drink and keep up with the people I was with. And I wasn't a drinker at the Mm -hmm. time, um, more along than, you know, breaking out in highs, which I never did. But, um, yeah, it, it was. I always said that. I'm like, yeah, I'm allergic. I can't. <laughs> well, something's different because I would always say, you know, like, look, we could go out and have the same night. We could, you know, and I've done, and, and we drink the same, or maybe I even drink less than you. But for me, the next day, I see it totally different. You know, I see that I lost control or I was act- behaving badly or it was bad, you know, but, you know, but my, you know, my sister would be like, but we had fun. You didn't do anything wrong. Get over it you know, but I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, no, I was ashamed. I, I didn't like, you know, so something, you know, Meredith, I'd love, I, I can't wait to learn more from you, but, you know, but yeah, something up there, it just has this reaction and it's not, and it affects me differently. And, you know, and so I'm with, I'm with someone now who's a drinker, but they're, they're and that's okay. Like you mentioned to your kids, you know, my daughter drinks, it's okay. She's not an alcoholic or she doesn't drink in that way, but you know, maybe if that ever changes or she ever, I mean, she's definitely seen it in our family. You know, her Mm -hmm. mother is an alcoholic. And then as you guys get to know me, you'll know more about where I come from and and all that fun stuff. But, um, so yeah, so it's, uh, it's interesting how it affects us and how it catches up. And one of the biggest things is that I learned too, is in, in sobriety, you know, they always say alcoholism is doing pushups while you're sober. Um, so, you know, I think I proved that when I was sober for two years and I went to drink because man, it raged. And I was, it only took me like, you know, a couple months to be blackout black and the blackouts are so scary. Um, so it's, uh, I was at a party and somebody was like, well, you know, since you're better, you know, why, why don't you drink again? You know, you're in this good place in your life and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, if I was a diabetic and I had it under control and you're giving me insulin, you know, but we have it under control. You're going to give me that piece of cake is that okay? <laughs> and they're like, no. And I'm like, exactly. So it's just not worth it to me to have that one drink because it won't just be one drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, what we all say, right? The one turns into four or five or a bottle. Why not? Right? Yeah. I think if I decided to drink tonight, I'd be like, I'm going to drink. Just hit the, just the <laughs> effort button. You know, I'm like, right. 
I've already ruined it. I'm going to have to come clean to people. Like I just yep. might as well, like, whew, that's why I think yeah, it's so dangerous. Right. I think that's why it's so dangerous for people who go back out. You know, you hear like, just don't pick up because you may not come back, you know? And, yep. and I think that's part of that is that that switch just mm-hmm. has been, it's been your addiction's been doing push-ups. It's ready. It's fit. It's good. Yeah. And that switch goes and, and then when I 12 step or, you know, I go and meet new people that are coming into the program and, and sit and talk to them about it. I always say to them, like, I'm just going to apologize now because I'm going to ruin your drinking because if they go out it's just, somebody said to me and I was like, that makes so much. If you go back out, you're never going to drink in the same way. You know, it's not going to be that fun. It's not going to be just one drink. You know, it it comes with all this knowledge and information and experience and all of that. And it's not going to be ever going to be the same. Like, so. Well, I mean, and like with me going back, just by telling my story again, I never thought Mm -hmm. about this, but like I was rationalizing before I even started (laughs) drinking again, like how I was going to drink and how I'm going to be better this time at it. You know, (laughs) like that's. Get right to the bus. I'm going to get right to the sweet spot. It's not for me. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not going to get drunk because I don't like the taste of it. By the end, I mean, I was like, you know, buying those little things and like, drinking them. Like, with, yeah, like, so good. <laughs> so, well, yeah, and I don't, just... I don't know if you've listened to our past episodes, but I had differentiated my drinking problem from my mom's because she drank handles of vodka and I drank mm-hmm. red wine. So it didn't matter how many bottles of red wine I drank. I was not an alcoholic like my mom because she drank vodka. And so like mm-hmm. saying that now, I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah. like that didn't make any sense at all. And then towards the end, when three bottles of wine was not doing it, I was like, maybe I should switch to something stronger like vodka. <laughs> yeah. To where I was like, that just, I mean, for it so is. long, I was like, I'm nothing like my mom. And it's I wild. That's and wild. what just popped into my head was that like the visual of the one beer, one shot, one glass of wine, right? Well, that wasn't my pour. What is that? Like a four that ounce right. pour? <laughs> that, that, that is not mad. <laughs> so it wasn't it was like my pour was like three shots. Like, and that was per glass, you know, it was like, so like also too, we think, oh, wine is fine. Wine is socially acceptable. You know, it's, it's tame, hard liquor. Yeah, but not know. until when your teeth turn purple and like the second glass and it's just like in your, yeah. Um, I just bought bigger for glasses. For me too, my, my, glass never, <laughs> yep. my glass never got empty. I don't know about you guys, but I could not let that thing get, I mean, before it was even like this, I was pouring more in. It's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a wine drinker. I was a beer girl, so. But you oh, went wow. with the full octane, the high octane beers. I did, yeah. My, my beer was the nine and a half percent. Oh my god! Wow. So yeah, yeah. Well, I was reading those labels in the wine bottles. Believe me. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, I just got a double right? bottle because we couldn't run out. Like you know, <laughs> I never went to the bag though. I have to admit, I never got that <laughs> <bottle>. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so. Well, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm so glad you're here, Tracy, and, and that so you're adding your, you. your light in with ours and Aww, um, thank to you. help, you know, shine a light on on um, sobriety and recovery and all of the things that can come from that and, and the positive, um, you know, how much it makes our lives better. So thank you for being a part of it. And oh we my gosh, will thank see you. you all next episode.
Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate you and wish you the best on your sober adventures. For more information and details on upcoming episodes, check us out on YouTube or Instagram at Four Sober Chicks. That's number four Sober Chicks. We welcome your feedback and look forward to being with you on the next episode.